Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow. Pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? I'd give it a little bit too much gravitas there, perhaps. It's not the announcement of the death of a royal or anything like that, is it? No, sometimes you've got to put a little bit of spark of magic into it. Yeah. I made the mistake of recently doing that thing that I said, never do, I advise you never do it, and you never Mm. do it. And I advise myself never do it, but Mm. once or twice I've done it. What is it? I I was peeking around on our Patreon site, right? Right, yeah. Uh, if you want to join up to the IFS, then go to Patreon slash Top Flight Time Machine and do it. Um, mm. And I looked at the exit surveys. No! Some people leave. Some people no! leave. More people join than me, but occasionally people leave for all sorts of reasons. Not least, you know, people need to take a break sometimes from money mm-hmm. reasons, whatever. But... Uh, we got loads of people joining, which is great, and we're extremely grateful for that. Damn right. Eternally grateful for the the community that we've built. You, right? you are the you are the petrol that drives the top flight You're time machine. The show as machine. We are. Yeah. And um no, but we are grateful. But sometimes you look down and people take the time to think, I'm not gonna just fuck off and say nothing. <laughs> I'm also not going to fuck off and actually just choo- quickly choose a reason from a drop-down menu. I'm going to write in my reason. <laughs> and most people had perfectly okay. legitimate reasons. And one person said, and of course it's only ever the negative. People will recognise this, that like in your life, you'll only... I mean, me, I don't know if you're like this, but me personally, I will very often... I could have like a hundred positive comments. I'll only ever <laughs> yeah. pick up on the negative one, right? Yeah, and let it yeah. torture me. And this one word that you said went back to it recently. It's got a bit jaded. I thought oh. jaded, jaded. Fucking Not hell. quite sure what jaded means, but jaded sort of like yeah, cool, was cynical about the whole thing. I thought mm. I fucking love doing top flight time machine. Yeah, Best job I've ever same. had. Yeah, and I've had some cracking jobs. I mean. Andy's worked in fucking our price. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, you so know, obviously, uh, this isn't the best job I've ever had. Yeah, no, I was there. about to say, actually, you've not actually come out and said this is the best job. You said only I've said that. But I've, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think it's the best job ever. And so I was, you know, obviously, that's been in my head a bit since I saw that a couple of days mm. ago. 
And that's personally why I did an American accent when I said, so what? Right? Ah, right. And, yeah. And I was really happy with the gravitas that you lent your traditional mm-hmm. intro. And I think those things alone proved that we were anything but jaded. Who goes around saying a catchphrase in an American accent if they're jaded? No one. No one, Sam. This is how I'd do it if I was jaded. Oh, I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? That's a yeah, jaded person. Here we go again. Oh. I'm, fu- I'm full of beans and enthusiasm, mate. Mm. And vim and vigour. And brio. What? Brioche? No, but brio. What's that then? It's, 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 like I cheese? think it, it means sort of like... <laughs> Um, spunk. <laughs> spunk and spunky, fizzy spunk. spunk. <laughs> fizzy spunk. Well, look, um, I'm not going to make any additional attempt to jazz this up because no. then that will be playing into the hands of, of that kind the, who's the left jaded, anyway. The, the jaded, jaded seers, if that's a word, like naysayers, jade seers, jade seers. Yeah, I don't feel We're like jaded. Jade. We just had a week off. Which, exactly. I feel more energised than ever. I had a lovely rest. I slept. Yeah. I fucking slept every night. I, well, every morning I slept in till, like, often gone nine. Wow. Fucking beautiful, mate. That's the stuff. I but, um I looked into the logistics yesterday of actually recording an episode live from the hammock, but I oh, couldn't yeah. quite get it to work. I'm going to go uh, back to it. Do you know what I've got here? I think I've shown it before. I've got one of these professional microphone arms that yes. comes to my desk. Your, your your rig looks like a proper studio, yeah. Yeah, it's it's grown gradually through lockdown, like more mm. and more bits and bobs, which is nice. And I, um, with one of these arms type things, mm-hmm. I'm thinking what you could do is, if you had some other sort of stand, you could clamp your mic arm to it very adjustable and then turn mm. it in front of your face while you're in the yeah. hammock but you would the, need um, a sort of an elevated stand or a shelf or something like that something well, high well, the, the hammock itself has got, it's got a stand it's got a frame yeah. so i okay. wonder if i could clamp it onto you know part of the frame and then I think manipulate could. the microphone around i'll look into oh, that, it that sounds plausible it would feel good i mean being able to the podcast from the hammock would be yeah you'd have to new, film it as well mate. For me. we'd have yeah. to fucking see it i mean this could be something i mean i personally i you know you don't court publicity but i would be wanting to put that out to the press as like yeah britain's first hammock cast andy dawson becomes first man to podcast from ha- yeah, hammock I think in britain that could happen i mean the only worry is that um the, there's a few neighbors around who have their gardens kind of adjacent to mine, so if my language gets a bit fruity, yeah. it could create issues among the neighbours. You know, suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm just a quiet, mild-mannered fellow who goes about his business, and then all of a sudden I've turned into oh, some yeah. kind of neighbourhood shock that, He's that bloke. He's the, he's the dad. He's got lovely kids. He's got that little dog. He's just mm-hmm. a decent family man. Doesn't then seem suddenly... to leave the house. Doesn't, doesn't seem to work. Hey. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's a lottery winner. Maybe they yeah. think that. Perhaps he's a Especially lottery winner. You're about to move as well. Yeah. Well, maybe he's a secret that we shouldn't talk house. about on air. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. I mean, maybe, I'm fascinated when, by your when, by your new rig that you've when, that you've purchased. Well, it's not there. It's not over the line yet. But what I could do, okay. I could do the episode before I move out. I don't want to do it in the new place because that's oh, yeah, not much of a market to sit down. Yeah. Do a really yeah. mental episode and then just uh, TTFN dickheads. 
and just disappear the a, next day. I'll I'll do a drunk episode, Sam. Yeah, the drunk <laughs> episode. Everyone would love that. Maybe we should we charge extra for it. We haven't resorted to that it. yet. I mean, obviously you can't do that because you're sober nowadays. But um, no, I, I do that's... sometimes have a lot of coffee before doing it. Yeah, that that sometimes you do that. that's you the could, closest you, I can get. You could do a, a caffeine hyper one, and I'll do a drunk one. I do like hammer. my this like rig I've got here. It's in my bedroom, and I'm facing the wall, and the wall mm. is a wall directly through into the neighbor's house. All oh, right. Yeah. So, so Raggedy Ann, yeah. the neighbour who hates us, that's on the on the side that's not connected. The semi-detached oh, right. side, but on the attached side, mm. that's a neighbour who we do get on with. Right. And she is... I'm keeping my voice down now because she's listening, but she's a really nice lady. She works in a prison. Oh. Um, she's, she's a screw. Oh. And... Uh, and but she's she's really lovely. She's got kids who are really nice too. And anyway, I'm is it a man's prison or a woman's prison? Do you know? It's a women's one, I think. Wow. Don't Kate know which sheets. one. Maybe it's Holloway. I'm not sure. But anyway, I never think. It never really occurred to me mm. that they're on the other side of this wall. Sometimes in the daytime, and Holding can a hear glass. every word I see because I'm delivering it in my loud, booming. Some yeah. some have said obnoxious voice directly some, into this wall. Did, did, did someone say that in one of the exit surveys? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd love to say that that's only been an accusation that has come to me during the top flight time machine period of my life. But throughout my long and distinguished broadcasting <laughs> career, I have had certain feedback. It's funny, you know, I've been reading this book by Christian O'Connell, right? Mm. Who I, I've always been a really big fan of. I think yeah. he's a really amazing broadcaster. And uh, didn't he go to Australia? He went to Australia, yeah. and he's written this really great book. I can really recommend it. I'm not. I'm only about halfway through it, but it's just a great book about basically being a middle-aged dad in your forties and him having right, okay. a, basically having a crisis, right? Oh. Yeah, because he he'd been doing his radio show, you know, been doing breakfast shows for like twelve years or whatever more. And mm. he'd got to number one, but he, f- he felt in a rut and he started getting panic attacks, even though he'd been, you know, the top, he's the number one guy, well, radio yeah. breakfast guy and commercial radio. But he started having panic attacks, like he couldn't go on air and having to take days off and like dropping out last minute, like 10 minutes before the show. Fucking hell. And he realised, fucking hell, I've got a situation here. So he had to go and see the old head shrinker. And uh, I, su- I suppose though, that could be, that could, that could be a lot of pressure being number one. Yeah. Because then you feel compelled the only to ways down. stay at number one. Yeah, exactly, mm. yeah. Whereas we give very few fucks. This is why the podcast is so jaded. Who knows, who knows so what number days. we're at? <laughs> I just think, am I, you know you're supposed to have an inner voice that talks to yourself and you should teach yourself kindly and speak nicely to yourself, right? Do you? Yeah, that. yeah, you're supposed to do that, mate. Right. Like You're supposed to, like, people say things like, if I... If I, if someone else spoke to me the way that I speak to myself in my head, yeah. I'll chin the cunt. I think that's a quote <laughs> from Buddhism. I'm not sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I think it was Buddha or some one of these guys who said that, right? So you've got to have a positive inner voice and be kind it's to yourself. Buddha. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I make my, sometimes I make my inner voice like an indulgent mother. Oh and yeah! This is what my inner voice says. You're the number one podcaster in my <laughs> mind forever. 
<laughs> Don't listen to those exit surveys. Don't <laughs> yeah. listen to those jade sayers. You're number and one, it, top of my charts. You know, like the awards and stuff. You know where Tabitha Headley Smythe interviews yeah. John T. John T. Williams in the um, in the allolsment or whatever it is, right? Yeah. You see all those, and you just you look down it, and you know uh, that that is a good example of being jaded because I will look down that list and just think cunts, 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 and that's jaded. That's unfair because these people are creative people like ourselves creating content that brings pleasure to other people's lives and just because it's not to our taste so what you know we live in a the the, the, the society we live in the world is is a rich and colorful tapestry but there's something for everyone that said that said when i see it and like obviously we don't enter awards because who would i mean we just have no hope right no Um, people really understand that the awards just aren't selected from everything you've got up here cash money to enter these awards yeah yeah we we choose to not enter and yeah. it's not really a stat i'm gonna speak only for myself not for andy we're not making a stand there it's partly because we don't like spending money and <laughs> on things like that anyway and second of all <laughs> i would not be prepared to enter something unless i was a, given a cast iron guarantee <laughs> that i would win because my fragile self-esteem would not mm. be able to take it so it's simpler for me to just not play the game yeah, yeah, quite right, quite right. And anyway, my inner voice just tells me, "You're, you're the, you win the prize every year, right?" <laughs> and in my, in my, in my mind, I'm just like presenting myself with an award for best podcast. What are you announcing it and presenting it and going up to receive yeah, it at the same I've time? I've been asked to present the very awards that I am the champion of. Yeah, and here to present the award for best podcaster to me is me, Sam Delaney. Please welcome on stage Sam Delaney, who's going to say a few words about Sam Delaney. <laughs> Sam Delaney first came to my attention in 1975. I knew from that moment he was going to be a tremendous communicator and bring so much pleasure to people's lives with his voice that, yes, may be obnoxious, but nevertheless is full of wonderful thoughts. And is never jaded. <laughs> he's the least jaded man in British podcasting life. Of that, you I mean, can all agree. I mean, people say that there's there's a, a glut almost of podcasts nowadays, and that too many people are trying to get on the bandwagon, if you like. But I mean, I've just read this thing the other day on the uh, chortle.co.uk yeah. comedy website. Great name for a website about comedy, Chortle. Oh, and oh, uh, oh. it says it says uh, comedy on demand this week. Alan Davies, the Seven Pillars. The comic joins the army of podcasters asking his guests to talk about their favourite film scene, event, location, music, literature, <laughs> food and memory. First guest in the series? Why, it's only Ramesh Ranganathan. I mean, that sounds fantastic. That's just what the podcast scene needs, isn't it? Favourite place. Yeah. <laughs> Favourite place. thing. The wreck. Next question. Favourite food. Sandwich. Next question. Favourite tea towel. A red and white one. I've had it for years. Starting to fray a bit. Very fond of it, though. <laughs> uh, what great. I would say about the so-called glut of podcasts, right, is I actually think, yeah, there is some that are a bit samey, and, and obviously we're cynical about the sort of um, revolving door of stand-ups who all interview each other, blah, blah, blah. But podcasts generally, there are fucking loads, right, all over the world, and people talking about all sorts of niche. And, and I would say this, right, I was thinking about it the other day, so... 
I, like you, started out in the old media game as a writer, and I still yeah. consider my I consider myself a man of words. On my passport, it says writer. Writer. Profession. Uh, and only referred to me as S.B. Delaney, not Sam Delaney. That's my writer <laughs> name is S.B. Delaney. No, but I, and I, you know, in all honesty, I, I really enjoy writing. I know you do too. And I've obviously, anything I've ever fucking written and have published or had any feedback from people from it. So I consider that a real privilege. And I really enjoy it. But not everyone can, can write, okay? Some people struggle with that. And, I, and what I think is that the thing about podcasting is quite good because if you put aside all these ones that we always take the piss out of where the famous TV comedians are interviewing other famous TV comedians, there are actually fucking millions of podcasts about every fucking tiny, like, niche in the world. And I think these people who are doing it, right, I think, fucking hell, this is great because everyone, you know they say everyone's got a book inside them, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have the time, the wherewithal, or the confidence. And a lot of people do struggle with putting pen to paper and sort of getting their thoughts out in a way that they feel makes sense or that is true to what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But podcasting allows a lot of people to do that, to tell their story or give their opinions or whatever on things that they're really passionate about. And there are some people, I mean, fuck me, I know this, right, from some of the ones that we produce. There are celebrities who just want to do a podcast when you ask them why. They go, well, I don't know, everyone else is doing one. And that's a bit of a red flag, right? Because you think you just feel as if you ought to do it. And you get a lot of people who are in the public eye, but they're between projects. And they think, well, if I do a podcast, it'll look like I'm doing something. But you always know it's not going to work out. But what I like is the fact that just ordinary punters, right, can just fucking turn on a mic and record something. And they might only have 50 listeners, right? Yeah. But they do it every week anyway. And I think, yeah, fucking great. Right, because mm-hmm. we've had the privilege of writing in magazines and newspapers and been given other platforms when we were younger to get our fucking opinions out there for what they were fucking worth. I mean, in the in the noughties, I wrote for the Guardian Guide every week, right? And all I fucking did, and I you know, got to interview lots of interesting people and all that, but all I did was just try to fucking show off and do jokes, right? Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> just like, a lot of it was trying to get attention. And, you know fine i enjoyed it and it was a privilege but in some ways it was a waste of space i mean what i think is is that there's loads of other people who've got opinions and thoughts that are just as good or better than ours and experiences and podcasting is quite good for them quite a good opportunity because mm. anyone can do it it's free and to a large extent it's simpler than writing for a lot of people well, yeah, I mean, I admire the people like that who, who do something that only has maybe 10 listeners, like you say, but they're doing yeah. it because they want to do it as a creative yeah. endeavor. Yeah, you know it's, it's just it being creative. And yeah. it's quite a democratic form of creativity, it's, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I did a thing I did a thing at Sunderland University a couple of years ago. I got, I got asked to talk about podcasting because mm. I'm seen as some kind of fucking expert. Fuck knows did, why. Did you come across as jaded? I don't think I did. I had a strong <laughs> coffee before I went in, and, and they were asking questions. They said, "They said, what, what, what would, what would you, what would your first piece of advice be?" And, uh, don't fucking said, do it. Next question. Said, yeah, don't, 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 don't try and knock me off me fucking perch, right? <laughs> do something else. Try and get into journalism. I said, <laughs> just, just do it. Just podcast. And the beauty of it is, if you do an episode, you don't like it, delete it. Do another yeah. one. Mm. And it doesn't matter. I know it's all a bit like dance like nobody's watching and all that. Mm. But 
you've got the space yeah, to kind of just agree. experiment and just yeah. fucking do, indulge yourself almost if you want. Another thing about it is I think, like, I mean, you know, as most listeners know, you do most of the donkey work on this podcast as well. In terms well, of, if they didn't like, know that, they do know that now. They do now. Like, you know, and I'm very grateful for that, the editing and the publishing and a lot of the promotion. And uh, and I'm grateful for that. But I would say as well, like a lot of people, we, we on the whole, um, we what we say when we record just goes goes out as is, right, yeah. a lot of the time. Obviously, sometimes you have to protect me from... From legal the, action. Yeah, from legal action and or massive dogpile on social media, <laughs> something that I've something thoughtless that I've said. But on the whole, it just goes straight out. And it depends on the sort of podcast you're doing. I'm not saying, you know, you get these great documentary podcasts about true crime or whatever that do need a bit of finesse. But I do say to a lot of people, I mean, I know people who are making podcasts that aren't really making much money. It's a passion project and they're great. But I always go, mate, don't fucking spend so much time editing right mm. don't record three hours and then spend the next two days like you know finessing it it's not like that's not the medium it's not radio right you're not mm. making something for bbc radio 4 right fucking sit down switch on the mic talk for half an hour and unless you fucking slandered someone serious or <laughs> i don't know just fucking get it out mate that's what yeah. i'm saying get up the next get one it out. Try, don't don't analyze what you've said People might get in touch with you and try and, you know, comment on it. But thing is, you've probably forgotten about it half an hour later anyway, so don't worry about it. Exactly. Fucking get it said. We, we get, get it we said. Get, people, get it out. Move we on. We get people on, on Twitter sometimes who will send us a tweet and it can be um, a, like a kind of a, a, a reference to something that's gone out in one of the non-IFS episodes that we recorded nine months ago. And I just look yeah. at these tweets and I think, fucking no idea. No idea uh, at all what that's about. That was something we said nine months ago. I I wouldn't even remember it if it was nine hours ago. But thanks, thanks for your input and all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, we don't know. Sorry if we don't respond. It's just that we it's I, it's just that we don't know what the fuck you're on about. I don't think this episode this episode's been very jaded. I think it's been maybe a bit self indulgent, but it hasn't been very jaded. No, I think Not it's all right. People who listen to this are podcast listeners. I would guess that. The vast majority of people listening listen to other podcasts as well as Top Flight Time and Machine. And they would like some, some insight into the And craft. I would say to those people, do you know what? Fuck your other podcasts, you whore. <laughs> cheating on us behind our backs. Jalapeño. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Jalapeño. This is supposed to be life logistics, and before we we probably won't have time to go into it, I've got something that I want. I've been meaning to ask you something about your own logistical life for a, a right. long time. Mm-hmm. What's the situation? I suppose there's two points to this. What's the situation in your rig regarding mm-hmm. pens and paper? And do you have a pen pot slash bits and bobs pot anywhere? No, I have um, uh, like a chest, not a chest of drawers. It's like four drawers standing vertically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, which, which I keep. Office style. Office stuff in. Like Ryman's. Is it like from the- Ryman's or something? It was just from Argos. It's like it's okay. it's like they're like four basket drawers, but they're like made oh, out of I sort know, of yeah. a, a sort of a cloth in a yeah. cheap plastic frame. It was about thirteen quid, right. basically, and it's falling apart and it needs to go. Yeah, that's the thing they do fall apart. But yeah, I've just got them in there. But then also in the room where I record the podcasts, mm. there is also a desk over there with uh, for, for desk stuff, and I've desk got a few things. pens on. Got a few pens on there. What, what? I always so know the- where. Uh, I always know where to put my hands on a pen when I need one. Do you do you do you stock up on pens, or are they just pens that have just been collected in your life? No, now and way? again, now and again, I'll buy a five pack of Byros Byro. just to keep just Blue. to keep the levels up because they, they run out, they disappear. You know what I mean? I've got they a pen do. in the car. You never know when you'll need a pen. Do in you, you really? Got a pen in your car? Of course, yeah. you have. I don't do you know fucking why, have a car. Do you know pen. why I've got a pen in a car? Do you know why I've got a pen in the car? It's to swap insurance details and you have a crash. There's that. There's that. There's that. Yes, <laughs> but also if you end up buying a last-minute birthday car for someone. Ah, mate, this is why you are the fucking logistic king of England, <laughs> and possibly the whole British Isles. Yeah, yeah. Fucking car pen. That is yeah. a brilliant idea. You I'm should have two of- car pens, really, in case one of them runs out. Yeah, and two colours as well. Yeah, yeah. Like red, a glitter black, pen. Black for standard and red for angry. Yeah, and also um, glitter pen if you're doing cards and for presents. So it's nice to have yeah, a gold or good. silver glittery one. Um, so, uh, I have, yeah. yeah, my pen, I mean, my pen situation is fucking chaotic because you've got the kids' pens, mm. haven't you? Right. Then you got what? My, what kind of pens have the kids got? Do the kids favour the rocket pen that's got all the different colours on it? Quite, you slide I mean, the it, colour there's, down. There's a lot of there's a there's an ebb and flow of fashion with with like you know my daughter and what pens are in and out. It's a yeah. hotbed, mate. I mean, keeping up with it is difficult. <clears throat> it's like, oh well, these are the pens that everyone's into right now, right? And I'm like, well, you've got your pocket money. I, I will Knock keep you in out. pens that that are assen- pen essentials. Yeah, standard pens. Yeah, standard pens. But if there's a fashion pen you want, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what Fucking I mean? Too right. Yeah, too right. And some and sometimes I will, you know, I'll be running around. In logistical chaos. Oh, I need a fucking pen. I'm on the phone to the fucking insurance company. I need a pen for some reason, right? And I'll be running around like a cunt, and I won't be able to put my hands on a pen. All the usual places the pens have gone. So I'll run into my daughter's room and take a pen, and then won't yeah. tide if I don't put Jesus it back. And she Christ. discovers that I've been meddling, especially if I take one of her fashion pens. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. No, I don't do so that. So it's difficult, isn't it? And, you know, it's more difficult than ever these days because I just think pens and papers are around this. I mean, what's your paper situation? If you've got, if you're on a blow and you need to jot something down? Um, I've got a notebook 
that I have in the living room, which because when I'm writing stuff for Mince, I always write notes out in kind of handwritten form first before it gets into any kind of... But you're using your Mince scripting pad for yeah. logistical purposes also. Yeah, I don't mind. Fuck me, mate. I'll tell you what, hell. this isn't even a joke. Stick that on eBay, you make a fucking mint. Right, this is a pad with a mm-hmm. year's worth of Andy Dawson's Atletico Mints notes. You know, like Gibberish. Monty Python, yeah. right? Yeah. Release there, but yeah. Oh, but it also, on top of that, as if you thought that wasn't good, this gives invaluable insight to Andy Dawson's logistical note-taking. Mm. <laughs> right, so it's got well, your creative life and your logistical day-to-day life all combined in one pad. Can I can I sell it as a non-fungible token? Do you think you Does fucking can that? you? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I want in. I want to be your NFT uh, agent on this project. Agent? Mm. Nope. I'll just do that myself. Thanks very 2%. much. Two percent. What? Two percent. Maybe I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, you were talking about prisons before. And I was I was up late last night. This isn't going to be relevant if you listen to this nine months from now. Oh, it might be, because it might still be on iPlayer. You might not have seen it. But I sat through three hours of one of the most grim drama series I've ever, ever watched last night. Is this night. time? This was time. I watched episode watch one last night. Fuck I didn't me. know the whole thing. It, what, is it all on iPlayer, the whole it's thing? It's all on iPlayer, three parts. I it's didn't know that. IPlayer. I got to the end of episode one, and I was like... This is fucking mad. Were you right? exhausted? I it was I just... really me and my good wife are massive fans of prison dramas in all yeah. their forms, right? And there's been some great ones over the years and you think you've seen it all. Like have you ever watched the classic Oz, which was oh, an HBO yeah. one from that years first ago? Time around, yeah. And uh and blah blah blah. But this one, as far I've seen some good British ones too, but this one, fuck me. It I mean, this so was, it's, it's, it's Jimmy McGovern. Mad. It's Jimmy McGovern who wrote a yeah. new cracker, and he wrote mm. the, the Hillsborough drama. But I mean, Jimmy McGovern's a fucking boss writer. But he's he's on the executive producer credits at the end, along with Sean Bean, and along with mm. Stephen Graham. Yeah. And someone on Twitter said last night, because I was, I was tweeting about it. Someone said it's as if Sean Bean, Stephen Graham, and Jimmy McGovern have got together and said, "Right, let's do the most fucking harrowing prison drama we can yeah. possibly do, and let's yeah. have loads of fucking fun with it." It is Jesus Christ. I don't get. I don't get like um, anxiety about very much in mm. life. I don't. I don't feel things fucking weighing me down all that much. But this. Yeah. My stomach was churning while I was watching yeah. this because it's just it, the way it was done. Because it, it's a fella who's he's killed someone in a car accident while he was drunk, and he's mm. doing four years for. He's a teacher, and it's that it's that it's your worst nightmare. I know we've said before. Yeah, I could yeah, do basically middle class guy six goes in open to prison. prison. Yeah, yeah, it's a proper prison. This, and it's that it's your worst nightmare, isn't it? Getting put in proper prison, and what would it be like? Yeah. you just got no yeah. idea what's coming next. I think about that. I mean, that is one of my main fucking fears in oh, life. F- now it's number one fear. Yeah. Like, no I mean, other fears see, in life. And and what's interesting is, because I saw this and I'm, I can be a bit sniffy about British dramas. I always say, oh, fucking British, it'll be mm. shit, right? But with this, I thought Jimmy McGovern and Stephen Graham. I thought Jimmy McGovern's stuff's always good. And Stephen Graham is one of those guys who is only in good stuff. 
Yeah, right. he didn't do shit, does he? Yeah. yeah, there's one. He's one of those actors. It, he'll like. He just only is. You can't think of a shit thing he's been in. Like he mm. picks the right stuff, and you also know he's at a level of his career because he's being Hollywood too. Mm. That he he can pick and choose, so he's not mm. going to just fucking be doing shit for money. Sean Bean, I got a bit of a problem with because of the whole Sheffield United Blades <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> fucking Ted. The thing crap. that's good about Sean. The thing that's good about Sean Bean in this now, his character, he gave his date of birth in it. His character is something like fifty-seven years old. Yeah, and he's getting on himself. He looks, he looks the age that he's playing in it. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's at that level now where it's quite low-key what he's doing. He's not fucking yeah. sharp. He's not doing any swashbuckling. He's not in Game no. of Thrones. It's a, a low-key performance. He's not the whole. It's really interesting casting because my personal problems with him aside, I thought in episode one he was really great, and I thought it's quite interesting casting because he is traditionally plays a hard man himself yeah right yeah he's you know he, he's an intimidating presence you've seen him play all sorts of bad guys and stuff exactly. right yeah and he actually in this is extremely vulnerable and you're basically seeing it from his point of view yeah being a middle class teacher right basically a soft bloke inside mm-hmm. this fucking hell surrounded by lunatics mm-hmm. and he does it fucking well like he, he really takes you there with him Mm-hmm. But like I say, you've seen the whole thing. I've only seen the I first episode. The, the first episode actually is quite ambiguous. Like, you don't really know where it's going. It just sets the scene. So I'm dead excited about watching I'm the not, other two. I'll not say anything else. No spoilers and all that. But I sat and watched all three hours of it last night. And uh, phew, fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... It was like... I don't know. It was like a really big three-course meal that you want to just fucking keep going. Some yeah. people were saying on Twitter, I, I, I couldn't watch the next one after the first one. I couldn't watch it. And I just thought, I said it's like one of those um, liquidized fermented eggs that you've got to drink mm. on I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. You've just got to get it down you as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then process it afterwards. The thing is, just- I've seen a lot of prison dramas, quite harrowing ones. And so I'm sort of ready for the tropes. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's not much shit they can show. Like in episode one, it's not really a spoiler, there's a scene where they chuck like boiling hot water with sugar in it in yeah, someone's that's face. That's standard, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, this is these are the basics, lads. Yeah. In fact, if anything, I thought I, I was like almost my missus, I would expect better uh-huh. from Jimmy McGovern. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that is again. a well worn yeah. trope. <laughs> yeah. For the nonsense and the grasses. Yeah. Yeah. Seen exactly. that all before. Um yeah, there's, but, there's... so so there's there's certain shit that happens. Like, I mean, is it? It's in the early fucking episodes of Oz, right? And it's really similar. There's a guy. It's exactly the same, actually. There's a guy, very middle class, very mm-hmm. soft, family man. You know, he's he's um he's at, he's killed someone whilst drunk driving, yeah. And he's been sent to this fucking prison, and he sells with. And obviously, there are gangs formed along racial lines in this prison. Mm-hmm. And he is in a cell with a black guy who, like, bullies him, beats him up. He's, you know, quite merciless, blah, blah, blah. And um, and it's, like, hellish. And then someone approaches him in, you know, in the canteen or whatever it is they call it, right? And you can see he's just fucking shaking. It's hell. And you're like, fucking, this is so scary, right? Because he's just thinking, I've got fucking four years of this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's only his second day. And he gets approached by a white guy played by 
uh, that brilliant actor whose name I can't remember. He, he's, oh, his name is... JB someone, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Spider-Man's... Like, he, he, he plays in the original Tobey Maguire and he's in, like, Whiplash and... He's in I mean, everything. I, I, I know the character because he's the first thing I saw him is that he's called Schillinger in Oz and that's the right. first thing I saw him in so he's always been Schillinger to me ever since then. And it's such a perfect fucking powerful twist because he seems so benign. Yeah. He comes to him and he says if you're having trouble if you're being bullied it's fine just ask for a, a cell swap and, he, and the geese goes really? And he goes yeah just ask for a cell swap I'll ask for you you can swap I've got a spare in mind you can come and share with me it's no yeah. problem. And he goes, oh, such a fucking relief. I didn't realise it was so simple. So he does it. He moves into his cell. And the middle class guy's like, oh, fucking hell, mate. This is amazing. Thanks so much. I thought I was going to have to share with that bully for the old time. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to have you here. Now, listen, um, take down your trousers and I'll just heat up this biro, right? And he goes, sorry, what? And he goes, take down your trousers. I'm just heating up this biro. And he goes, what do you mean? What for? He goes, well, so I can brand you. And he goes, brand me? What do you want to brand me for? And he goes, well, you're my chicken now, right? <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? You're my chicken now. He's his fucking chicken and he's tricked him. And it turns out he's a white supremacist. And it's a, he's it's even madder than the other fellas. And he's going to, he's like, basically, he's yeah, he's going, I'm going to, your swastika on your ass, mm. which he does. It's so funny because yeah. <laughs> there's this really soft sort of yuppie guy, and you just see him bent over on a bed having a swastika burnt into his butt cheek. Yeah. And this is episode one of Oz, and you're like, yeah. fucking hell. I tell you what, this is the show for me. <laughs> Oz is fucking fantastic. Oz is fantastic until about four series in when Luke Perry joined the cast. Oh, I didn't and get that And then it starts to go a bit wrong, and then there's an episode where Luke Perry comes to his demise and he gets bricked up inside a wall oh. and then I think his fucking ghost emerges from the wall or something and that was that was it for me it was like oh, fuck no. this this no, is no, no good anymore but it was it was written by um, oh what's the what's the guy called who wrote Oz Tom Fontana who right. also wrote the most underrated cop show of all time in my opinion Homicide Life on the Street oh yeah which was set in Baltimore. Anna, my good and wife based, loves that, yeah. It's based on the book called Homicide by David Simon. Which is by who David went on to Simon, write, yeah. Went and went on to write Burn, The Wire. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Homicide, I don't think it's on streaming anywhere, which is disgraceful, but it really should I got be. it on DVD because it was basically, it's almost like if you love The Wire, this is like yeah. the sort it's of like a precursor, backstory. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all this, and it, and a lot of the stories in it are you will see emerge again in the wire, like yeah. in a different form. Yeah, uh, there's a the book is yeah there's a there's a few books by them, but really but those then, shows, Homicide, Life in the Street, and Oz were what launched HBO into like serious drama, yeah. and yeah. and by extension, I would say basically launched the golden age of tv that we now definitely because they did they commissioned those two shows and they were both successful well homicide homicide was nbc or something like that it was was a proper network yeah same team yeah and and it ended up getting bumped down the schedules because it was too raw for network tv it It was almost like like, it didn't have a pretty cast or anything like that but then uh, then The Wire and then Sopranos as well came on the back of that HBO yeah, as well. Yeah, but Oz preceded all of those. 
It did. Uh, Oz was the one that sort of yeah. gave the momentum to like HBO going, oh, let's fucking start making loads of this stuff. Yeah. And realising think- we don't need, a bit like the podcast model, they thought we don't need to have millions and millions and millions of people watching. We just we can have a small audience, which is what The Wire always had, as long as people mm. are subscribing. Exactly. But um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Tom Fontana, but, Tom Fontana also wrote Sin Elsewhere. Do you remember that? Set in oh, the hospital. Yeah. He wrote that oh, as well. Oh, God. Which, and then again, didn't was you tell, isn't weird... that the one where there was a weird thing where it was the dream of someone in another show? The, the final episode... Uh, it, it emerged that the entire series had existed within the mind of the autistic son of one of the doctors. Fucking hell. But there's this thing, he's called Tommy Westfall, and there's this thing called the Tommy Westfall universe because there's crossovers in St. Elsewhere with other shows, yeah. like they appear yeah. in the Cheers Bar at one point. Oh, my God. Some of the doctors appear in the Cheers Bar and there's other characters that come in from other shows but that whole network spreads out and out and out and out into other shows that have had crossovers in, and it pretty much every TV show that's ever been made. It's like the exists. Exactly, every TV show that's ever been made exists in the mind of Tommy Westfall from said elsewhere. Nothing is real. It's fucking mad, isn't it? <laughs> and there's a website dedicated to so you can go on and see which of your favourite shows are in the mind of Tommy Westfall, and um, and and how and why. But um, yeah. I think we should probably bring this to an end now because we've, we've fucking witted on long enough. Wow, I've had a gr- I've had a lovely time. We haven't. That's been lovely. We haven't got any life logistics done. That's the only problem. Well, uh, hang on a minute. We got one of the best logistical fucking tips of of this or any year, which is always mm, keep a pen in your keep car. A pen in the car. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. If you've got any more, we'll do another life logistics next week. If you've got any problems that we can try and attempt to get around to solving, get in touch. Um. I will quickly, this, this, this one here I think we should do. This is from Wilson Vallier on the Twitter and he says, My son is almost 10 years old and still sleeps in with us most of the night. He can't fall asleep in his own room. Our fault, I know. Any tips? Mm. That's that's heavy stuff, isn't it? If your that's kid's difficult. almost 10. Off the top really of my head, I don't know, I would say some kind of reward scheme if you can do that mm. like a chart it's difficult of- I can see how situations like that arise mm. like even recently Len's got into the habit of I'll take him up for a story at his bedtime but because we end up fucking about and talking shit with each other or fighting it get like <laughs> he, he, he manages to extend the bedtime for an hour and then at that point he go, I put him to bed and he goes you staying up here because sometimes I'll stay up in my, he'll be in his room, and I'll be next door in my room, and I'll be, you know, dithering about. Yeah. And uh, he goes, "You staying up?" And I go, "Yeah, I might do actually. I've got a few things I need to do, or I might, you know, watch something, watch some, watch some rescue animals on YouTube, like I like, <laughs> right?" And <clears throat> now it's almost become a habit because he's like, mm. "You staying up?" And I might go, "Now nah, I'm going down. I'm going to watch a, a harrowing prison drama with your mum." Right? <laughs> and he goes, "What?" Because they get yeah. used to things so quickly, kids, and then you're just stuck in it, and it's and really can, hard to break be, the cycle. They can be really manipulative as well, and they'll just yeah. push it and push it and push it gradually. Yeah. Some, they can threaten, at certain ages, they can threaten tantrums, which is such yeah. a massive threat, and they know that. They don't explicitly say, I will throw a tantrum, but they give you a big indication that if you don't bend to their will, yeah. they will go mental. It's, and it's when they go mental, like, that's quite hard to cope with. It's, it's they'll, distressing. They'll, they'll, 
they'll say something like, this is a nice room you've put together for me. But you shame if anything happened to it, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They basically use really weird East End gangster <laughs> psychology on you. That's what kids uh, are, tiny gangsters. I understand you and mum are looking forward to watching episodes two and three of Time, <laughs> the new Jimmy McGovern drama. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, let's hope nothing gets in the way of that. Because if I was to start causing, let's say, a little bit of a fuss, that could eat into your watching time. It would be much simpler for you to say I could go to Kip in your bed. It would be terrible if there were any incidents that would disrupt that viewing pleasure that you were looking forward to so much. I can tell your mum are very enthusiastic about it. I would hate for your evening to be ruined. (laughs) All right, what do you want? (laughs) <laughs> anything buddy what is it oh, I once man. found in when my daughter was really young like about four I uh, found she was like we were like the sort of annoying parents who didn't let our kids go to McDonald's right we right. thought when they were young I mean now they fucking do what they want but when they were young it's like we weren't really into them eating McDonald's and all that stuff mm. but occasionally her childminder would take her to McDonald's, but then swear her to secrecy because she knew we weren't keen Ooh. on it, right? Yeah. And it was such a fucking massive thing to her to have gone to McDonald's, right? We mm. found in her room when she was four, there was a toilet roll on the on the bedside table, right? Which I guess she kept there for whatever, blown nose. And I lifted it up, and inside the toilet roll, <laughs> inside the tube bit, were about four or five McDonald's chips, <laughs> because to have her hands on any McDonald's was so precious to her yeah. that she had reserved some, yeah. secretly brought them into the house and then stashed them inside the toilet roll next to her bed. <laughs> it's quite sweet looking Jesus. back. Yeah. Well, I mean, not- what I feel bad about is, is obviously she thought that if we found them, we'd be like, what is this? McDonald's potato yeah. fries? <laughs> this will not stand. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, yeah, so there we go. Oh, there was a tweet as well. Kemp's 27 said, I don't know if you guys know this, but Tuesday's episode, which will be this one, is the 666th episode since the IFS began. Do with his information as you please. This is the satanic IFS episode. There you go. Uh, that's uh, well, it from this I would one. say we're not. Uh, for the record, we're not into Satan or Satan worship on nah, this show. We have probably yet. done an impression of Satan before, as Sir John Satan. Yeah, I'm yeah. into the Satan in game a few years ago. <laughs> it probably because I had an unhappy childhood, to be honest, which sort of made me quite jaded towards people. <laughs> if we haven't done that before, we'll do it in another episode. But I'm yeah. sure we will have done that. <laughs> Or maybe in the live show that we're doing later in the year. Mm. All right, um, that's it from this one. Uh, we're sorry we didn't get through any life logistics, really, but we'll try again next time. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, apologies if this episode was jaded. <laughs> Remember to speak nicely to yourself.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.